Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. Today in the Heron Co. studio, we are joined by Sara Al Sharuki. Sara started her career at the mobile communications pioneers Eti Salat, where she was entrusted with developing the corporate brand strategy before moving to Mubadala, where she oversaw brand management. Those two businesses were three years, four years in the making. I was bored of my corporate position and I decided to retire. I created Envy at that time. The concept was that I wanted people to envy you for the house that you already have. I felt finally free. Not that I was trapped in the corporate world, but it's like I'm finally achieving what I wanted to achieve. They constantly tell me how proud they are. And this to me means the world. This is what people assume when you tell them that you have your own business. The immediate reaction is, oh, you can wake up whenever you want. <laughs> you can go to work whenever you know. Oh, no, you can't. Anyone and everyone can make money from anything. What we women tend to do is... Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for hosting me. Absolutely. How are you feeling today? A bit overwhelmed, <laughs> uh, but excited. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to this discussion. You know, me too. Me too, because, you know, I feel to understand where you are now, which we'll absolutely get to. The background is so important. I want everyone to understand how you got to where you are today. And so where did it all start? Family, friends, where was your upbringing? I think it's so key and important into making you who you are today. Absolutely. Well, I don't know where to start. I always start by saying I'm the only daughter and the eldest within the community I grew up in I was the only girl everyone else had like the eldest was a boy so uh, I grew up around a lot of boys Mm -hmm. for sure Uh, that definitely formulated my personality I always was confident but that really boosted me especially that you know how People tend to find little girls cute and, you know, give them priority and all of that. And then they keep asking their children to give priority to the girl. So here's the girl. <laughs> <laughs> you took advantage. Yeah, Why absolutely, not? <laughs> absolutely. And, and so your parents, what was their background? What did they do as jobs and careers? So my dad started as a teacher. Both my parents came from Bahrain. He started as a teacher. He came in uh, to the UAE early 70s to be a math and science teacher. And my mom came here, worked in the banking industry again in the 70s. Then when I was 14, she went back to school. She decided to uh, study IT and programming, and uh, she graduated from the same school, Higher College of Technology, where I graduated. Wow, a very full circle moment there. (laughs) How was that for you at 14, 15, then to see your mom go back into education? Honestly, it was normal. I did not bother me. uh, Mm -hmm. And... It did not seem different. We grew up in a, in a household where reading and learning was constant. When I was 11, I think my father decided that he wanted to learn how to speak French. So he went back to school to learn French wow. at the same time as, you know, being full-time uh, employee at the Cultural Foundation at that time. Wow. So the studying to us is natural, mm. maybe. So it was, it was normal. Uh, my, when my mother went back to school, she, she gave birth to my youngest brother as well. She used to work full-time, go to college and come to us. And, you know, it was 
juggling so many balls was completely natural to us. And what a, an amazing role model to have, Absolutely. I guess. You're Absolutely. seeing someone do so much, wearing so many different hats. Uh, do you think that's an absolute testament to who you have become and what you Absolutely. have done? Absolutely. I think it all started with my grandmothers as well because they used to juggle, you know, each one had about nine kids and, you know, juggle all the responsibilities. So it was, it's it was completely normal for us to be handling so many things at the same time. And at what age did you kind of sit down with yourself and did you say, I want to do this, I want to go into this career path or this career in general? Was there, was there a different department or anything in mind that you had or did this just naturally and organically happen? So I always wanted to be a pediatrician mm. until I went to see the higher colleges because my mom was studying there, and I was in my last year of high school. Um, they had a new studio, communication technology is what they called the major. There was They had a studio, and there was a major focusing on journalism and directing. And I fell in love, and I said, this is what I wanted to do. So I moved into film directing. After going to Abu Dhabi TV, which was the only option that we had in there, I did not find myself, so uh, went to the corporate world. And there I did not see myself going into communications, but that was the only, the closest option to being a film director. And I agreed with my manager to direct all the TV commercials that they were doing. So from there, got in, more f- involved into communication, advertising, um, marketing, and then my career started going into the PR aspect of communication. And then I found myself handling crisis communication and you know dealing with unions in Switzerland and Italy. And all of a sudden, here I am in strategic communication after 23 years. Wow. I know it's so it's so easy for us to say the rest was history, isn't it? But so much has happened in those 23 years. Yeah. You wanting to become a film director. Yeah. How was that taken at the time in terms of just a creative industry, but then second of all, you're also a woman who now wants to diversify. What was the reaction that you got? See, um, back in 95, a new major was introduced to the higher colleges of technology, and that new major was called communications technology. The whole TV production, radio production, journalism was very new to the UAE and to Abu Dhabi specifically. It started in Abu Dhabi, if I'm not mistaken, and in the following year, or maybe half year, another branch in Dubai higher colleges was opened. And it was only offered in the women's colleges, and that should answer your question. The whole structure, the whole country was preparing us to get into this field. It gave women the priority and it gave us the highest technology, the best locations you would have in order to produce. At that time, the study was mind-blowing by all means. So I did not really find it. Of course, people did not know what I was talking about. Communication, uh, telecom, and I'm like, no, no, it's communication as in media. I had to explain, but there wasn't real resistance. From family perspective, because I was the only daughter, they were expecting me to go and study abroad. I've always uh, talked about being a pediatrician, and they're like, what happened? You wanted to be a doctor? Why media? Media has no future, blah, blah, blah. So, But it wasn't really a resistance as much as it was a surprise that mm. they, they had. And the irony is here you are today. You're like, media communications got me a very, very long way. It's so interesting because I feel like people listening right now, I think it's so key to know that no matter how old you are, it's okay to change career, right? There is fear around it. Did you feel that fear? 
Yes, four years after uh, working my first job, I wanted to quit. I didn't want to quit. I wanted retirement at that stage. And I was like, I don't want to risk. I want to guarantee my income. So I wanted retirement. And there's no system in the world that gives you retirement and after four years of working. So I researched and found that in the UAE, women can retire at, after 15 years of working if they had family or if they had specific circumstances. So that was my target. My target was that after 15 years, I'm going to re- retire and then focus on doing something different. You know, from being a film director, being free on location to sitting behind the desk, it's like it's not a job that I wanted really. But then I reached 15 years and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm at a good space now with, with my, my job. Let me wait for a year, wait for a year, wait for a year. <laughs> and then I waited until I finished 23 years. Part of it was the fear of the unknown. Part of it was me feeling comfortable being in a steady job with a steady salary. Why do I want to move? Part of it was the fact that I reached very high positions within big companies. And I was executive director of a group of companies. And the group of companies was were 16 companies. And they were not only 16 companies, but also in defense industries. So it wasn't something that I should, you know, just, you know, ignore and, and leave. But then I moved to my next job and my next job, I had a task and I finished the task within the time frame that I was given in three years. And then I started feeling that, okay, it's not exciting anymore. Communication is an ever-changing environment and, you know, no two days are the same. But I didn't, it started to get bored, you know, it didn't really work for me. At that time, I had started an interior design company back in 2017. So that was like three, four years before I decided to uh, retire. And on the same year, I also started Reflect Creative Art, a platform where we want to spread art within the community, targeting people who had never interacted with art. So those two businesses were three years, four years in the making. Uh, I was bored of my corporate position and I decided to retire. Uh, now, one can say that I've started these projects before retirement, which I believe is the right thing to do. Uh, never jump without being ready. But then after retiring, I started getting approached by my friends and my people who worked with me, asking me to freelance in this job or that for free. And I did that. But then what I noticed is that because it was for free, because I delivered the jobs for free, they started taking it for granted. So for example, I I was approached by a friend who had a bit of a crisis within his company. And I had to put a crisis communication plan. And we all know how important to stick to the timing of that crisis communication. Because it was for free, he he's, he didn't look at it. He's like, okay, I'll look at it later. I'll look at it later. I'll look at it later. Until it became too outdated, basically. When I went into opening an official license, trade license, and I said, okay, from now on, I'm going to charge you guys for these projects. He's like, yes, yes, of course, I need you to support me and blah, blah, blah. And he did not have any problem with being charged. But the day he paid 
is the exact day he took action <laughs> and he applied the, the communication strategy that we've created. What I'm trying to say here is that uh, sometimes people take freebies for granted. And on the other side, you would have put so much effort into creating what is important, not only because you feel like it, it's because it's important for them. And this is where the conclusive communication was started, my third company. Where is that line then? Because I think something so important, what you just said is, you know, we are told that sometimes in order to boost our career, or especially if you're starting out in something new, you know, you do do free things here and there to get on the map, get exposure, air quotes, you know. But where is the line of valuing what you bring to the table, but then also not being taken advantage of? And how do you then transform it with the, a family or friend member who is, uh, you know, is the one taking advantage. See, sometimes they take advantage without knowing it. It's not like they intentionally take advantage. It's just that people are usually, sometimes they're clueless. I don't want to say usually, but sometimes they're clueless. They don't see the effort that you put into an ask that they, they casually threw on the table. Sometimes you feel too obliged and too responsible to go and, you know, solve that problem. And to them, it was just a problem that they mentioned. So it's very important that you spread awareness. You show them what it takes to deliver something that you do. You show them how complex it was or how you went out of your way to do it. Not that, not in a way that makes you, um, I don't know what's what's the right word for it, but it's not, not in a way that you're asking them for a favor or anything mm. like that. It's just they need to know. They need to understand how much it takes to do something that you would do for them for free mm-hmm. and basically take it from there. So during corporate life, I mean, 23 years, it's quite an intense work environment. You're working crazy hours. The question I have for you is, were you looking after Sara during those 23 years? Well, I eventually learned to, but did not at the beginning. And I think this is something that it's... Um, There's more awareness about it these days. Previously, without the access to social media, without the access to all the learnings from other people, we used to put all our effort into our work and sometimes exaggerate in doing so. It was very natural for us to work after hours. And it was, we would very proudly say that I'm a workaholic. You know, it was like something that we wanted to be associated with. But then as we know more and as we grow older, we start realizing that workaholic is not an association that or an adjective I'd like to be labeled with. There are other priorities in life and the the priorities in life need to be identified from the outset. But because we join the work field at a very young age with full of energy, maybe less commitment, less family commitment, we kind of start that behavior of being a workaholic and then feel that we are expected to continue at that rate and not be able to uh, wind down some of the hours that we put for work. Now, I totally understand and I totally support seasonal workload, Uh, But I no longer support working extra hours every day, forgetting about your loved ones, forgetting about yourself, forgetting about the basic needs that the the woman would need or would have to to survive. So you think we put pressure on ourselves more than society actually puts pressure on us as women? Absolutely. 
So we need to basically have more conversations, right? As yeah. women, whether that's around a podcast uh, table or a studio, yeah. but also within our circles. Is this something that you and your friends or family, you know, your inner circles really sit down to talk about? We do. I mean, one of the things that I keep uh, talking to my working friends and specifically those who are younger than me or maybe in a more junior positions is that sometimes it's only on our, in our hands. Sometimes we assume things that are not there and sometimes we don't address it and when we don't address it it snowballs in our head and then we break because of nothing so i'll give you an example uh, a, a situation might be where a junior member would walk in front of her manager and she would say good morning and the manager does, does not respond for one reason or the other maybe he did not or she did not hear her or anything like that what we women tend to do is get too sensitive. Why didn't they answer? What did I do? What do they think of me? Mm. Who do they think they are? So all these questions keep coming and we start doubting ourselves. Now, of course, it doesn't happen to everyone, but it does happen with those who have a slight doubt in themselves. And we need to increase self-awareness when it, when we are in that those situations in order to be able to address it to uh, mitigate it and then the action is in our hand really not in anyone else's hand mm. and it's so interesting you raise that actually because I want to stay on the topic of you know the blurred line between personal and professional here I read a quote which said uh, and a lot of women have actually said this in just giving interviews you know successful women they say I'm a mother first and a successful businesswoman after now I'll tell you why I have an issue with this statement I do too. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I feel, why can't we be both? Why does it have to be one and then the other? Why does there have to be a priority list? Because I don't feel a man would have to list out his priorities. I don't think that they should be put together in the first place. Mm -hmm. Being a mother is one thing. Being a professional is another thing. It's not what comes first and it's not whether they work together or not. Being a mother is a different job description. Let me give you another example. So in other countries, recently in the UAE, they've allowed this as well. But in other countries, you can have your full-time job and then do your part-time job. Mm -hmm. Okay. If your full-time job is a lawyer and your part-time job is, let's say, a musician, no one would say because you're a musician, you cannot, you're under uh, delivering as a lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. Now, being a mom is a job and it's a, it's a full-time job to others. It's a part-time job to others. It's two different jobs. It's none of anyone's business mm -hmm. if this job is being fulfilled or not versus the other job. We should look into these, each job in, a, in isolation. And we should evaluate that specific role a person is uh, is, is uh, playing, whether a mom or dad, a full-time employee, part-time employee, it doesn't matter. Mm, absolutely, because I do feel like this then has a knock-on effect on the next generation, which is my next question for you. You have had such a colourful career and so successful so far, and I'm sure so much more to come. How important do you think that has been for your children it's very to important. see? It's very important. So... My children are now, I mean, some of them are above 20, and, and my youngest is 10 years old. They constantly tell me how, the, how proud they are of me. And this, to me, means the world. Uh, I was always involved in their upbringing. I was always uh, their friend. They were, we have a very casual relationship together. 
And it's it's really fulfilling when I see them talk about my um, what I do to their friends, for example. And I don't know, I mean, I don't listen to what they tell their friends, but I, I have the friends approach me and saying, oh, uh, Noura told me that you do so-and-so, or Mohammed told me that you do, or Jude, or, you know, it's like, it's really fulfilling and it's really rewarding. My kids, two of them had the opportunity to be part of an amazing program that Cleveland Clinic uh, puts called the Junior Caregiver. I used to work there at the same time. And when they were taken in, in their tours and orientations and so on, they saw the whole hospital. At that time, I used to have communications and marketing. And wherever they would go, they would say, oh, you're Sarah's son, Sarah from marketing. Started from marketing. So my kids started teasing me by calling me. Every time they want to call me, they call me Sarah from marketing. Okay. <laughs> now I retired. And I was like, in the beginning, they used to say Sarah from marketing with pride. They used to be proud of me being Sarah from marketing. Everyone knows her, you know. And now my, my son is calling me mom from the house. And he's going, when we walk into the mall, everyone, this is mom from the house. You know? So it's really, again, fulfilling uh, to find that they are not only proud of the title that I had, they're also proud of how I've now moved into being more stationed at home, working on my laptop most of the time for my businesses, but mm-hmm. I'm still vis- visible for them in there. And that's an absolute testament to who you are. And you've led uh, by show, by practice, you yeah, know, absolutely. and I'm sure that will have a great effect on them and their careers moving forward. So let's talk about retirement. I'm going to air quote this because you are definitely not retired. (laughs) Technically, yes. Uh, So this leap, this jump into becoming an entrepreneur, first of all, talk me through the feelings of that, the emotions behind it first. How was that for you? Okay. So let me tell you what was the the breaking point first. So I started in 2017 NV Interior Design and then started Reflect Creative Arts. Reflect Creative Arts was originally created for my mom because she's the artist. And I handled all the paperwork only because of my experience in the corporate world. Three years later, I started seeing the commercial potential in Reflect. And I was like, okay, any, at any time, at any point, I'm going to retire and in order to focus on that. Simultaneously, as I mentioned earlier, I was brought into Cleveland Clinic to fix or like bridge a gap between two different departments, marketing and communication, and I managed to fulfill that. So what happened is on a day, I went through a situation, a health situation, not related to me, but to one of my family members. And on that day, that person was at Cleveland Clinic and uh, I was in the middle of something and I had to excuse myself and go to that person. And it was then when I was there, uh, I realized that I don't have much longer to waste. I mean, there's a lot of my time that was spent on my work. I need to spend more time with my loved ones. So in that room, maybe you can call it a knee-jerk reaction, but in that room, I sent an email submitting my resignation, and I served six months before leaving on retirement. Wow. So how did I feel? I felt sorry for myself, maybe. I felt that it was too late because I had promised myself to retire after 15 years. And here I am seven years, actually 10 years later almost. But at the same time, I felt that I'm finally free. Not that I was trapped in the corporate world, but it's like I'm finally achieving what I wanted to achieve. 
Of course, it was it came as a shock to everyone because again, I'm known to be a workaholic. And they're like, yeah, you cannot retire, you cannot sit, you cannot, you will go back in six months, I guarantee, I tell you and all of that. But then within the first two months of focusing on Reflect, we started seeing massive improvement in our sales and our numbers. I started seeing health improvement uh, on myself. So, and I started to feel that I'm less stressed. I now can sleep, you know, it's like, it's, it's different. Now, it's a different type of, of stress when you're an entrepreneur, but at the same time, there isn't the office politics. There isn't the uh, proof that you are a capable woman, proof that you are a capable Emirati woman, mm-hmm. proof that you are a capable individual. You know, it's like all of that proving that you put energy into is no longer there. So it's an amazing feeling and I highly recommend. But again, I don't recommend the knee-jerk reaction that, <laughs> that I have done. <laughs> but sometimes that's actually what it takes. I mean, un- under not great circumstances, of yeah. course, but sometimes it does take you to just not think about it and kind yeah. of rip off uh, rip off the band-aid but exactly. what you said earlier also was that you did have a transition period you know you didn't yeah. just quit retire and then think what am i going to do you did have you you already thought about yeah. it you know yeah. what the next stage is yeah. how early on did you start thinking about that so i wanted to retire as i told you after 4 years of working mm-hmm. i did not do anything in order to prepare myself for that other than you know the, what the pension fund deducts automatically you know mm-hmm. so it kind of was i want to do it but i'm i'm not taking action and i kept telling myself that i had to start something any kind of business any kind of investment now the good thing about me is that I started buying properties early on. Maybe on my fifth year of working, I had my first apartment in Dubai. So I did not take any action until 2017. And the reason I took action in 2017 uh, with the interior design, I was uh, working in a company where we there were very few of us. So each one of us was handling multiple departments. One of the tasks uh, that I was given was to manage the fit out of the offices, of the new offices. So I did that, but then I changed the interior design because I didn't want my name to be on something that I did not approve of. Mm-hmm. And then after that, people started saying, okay, who did your interior design? And there were these were very high level officials. And um, people, the team member used to say, Sarah, and they would look at me and say, what's the name of your company? And I would say, I don't have a company. And they would go, you have to have a company, you know? So I created Envy at that time. Um, the concept was that I wanted people to envy you for the house that you, you mm-hmm. have kind of thing. Started that very selective with the projects I'm, I'm handling. I don't like people who want me to do what what's in their head. I want to do mm-hmm. a difference. And that what started me into this whole entrepreneurial journey. When I opened, uh, when we we bought uh, Reflect, Reflect was uh, called The Bulb, and it was an art center, but for kids only. I bought it for my mom, and I only managed to decide on buying it on the spot because I saw how easy it was to open and to manage Envy. The way I managed it is that I mean, with Envy, I had no uh, no financials to start a company. So I said, I'll just go with the process and stop whatever I'll stop. So I started the process of registering Envy uh, trade license and all of that. The system is so easy. Everything is so automated. It's very intuitive. And it was very easy to create Envy. 
So I was like, okay, then let's do Reflect. We did Reflect, created the, the place, hired people. The I don't know about the systems in Dubai, but I bet it's the same. Um, and within Abu Dhabi, everything, all the government's requirements are on online. So it was very easy to, to create a business. Now, after retirement, when I decided to create Conclusive and when I decided to create my uh, e-commerce platform, it was only uh, always a challenge. Like I was challenging someone that I can do something like uh, within a day. So Conclusive was like, you know what? I'm, I'm doing this project for you for free and this is why you're taking it for granted. I'm going to create a trade license more and I'm going to charge you. And we were laughing about it. <laughs> and then what happened is that I did it. And I sent the, the trade license to that person say, when the, together with the invoice saying, yeah, come on, pay. <laughs> so, I love that. Of course, I, can, I was able to do that because that person was a friend. But uh, I mean, you, you can see how easy it is. And this is what I started advocating to people around me. Long gone are the days where, you know, having a corporate job is security. Having a corporate job is not safe anymore. You need to have your own uh, source of income, whether it's passive or not, whether it's full-time or not. Every single person is talented in a way or another, and it's very easy to create businesses in this country specifically. So people should not take this for granted. They should ride the wave. Last weekend, I created a session, actually on the day of uh, Emirati Woman, I created a free session and called it From Passion to Income. And with that, uh, it was a free session for everyone to attend. Uh, I did it in both Arabic and English. And with that, I simplified the process to create a business in this part of the world. From knowing yourself in the first place, which is very important, to ideation, to creating the uh, paperwork, the, the official paperwork, all the way to launching and marketing and, you know, doing all the analytics, understanding how you're performing, improving your performance. That was followed by a two-day workshop that I did with about like a handful of people. And with that, three of them have gone out with a business idea that is ready to be implemented. And the next phase is that I've linked up with one of the CFOs that I've worked, who I've worked with. And um, in the next step, uh, they're going to learn how to set it up from financial perspective. And they're going to learn how to uh, do the feasibility study and the business plan and how to read income statements. And, and all of these steps are not rocket science anymore. Previously, we used to be overwhelmed with that, but I see it simple. So, and this is how I'm trying to simplify it. Now, I'm not claiming that we can replace experts who in that subject matter. It's very important to keep in mind that we will always need the accountants, we'll always need the communicators, we'll always need the legal team and, and so on. But it's very easy for a person to ideate, to create a unique selling proposition and implement it in this part of the world. Essentially, what you created is kind of like the recipe to success. Is Absolutely. that, would you would you say that? I, I would like to think so, yeah. Because <laughs> what I love about that was, was step one, actually. It was finding out who you are and, and understanding your passion. Yeah. A, a lot of people say, just follow your passion and, your, and the money will come. Yeah. Is that something you agree with? Well... Yes, but not, that's not the full recipe. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some secret ingredients that they're not telling you about. <laughs> it's tough. It's yeah. tough. It is tough. But I mean, perseverance is very important. Reality check is very important. Uh, being able to receive feedback is extremely important. 
And as I was saying to all my uh, my friends and family, the number one killer to any business idea is being moody. If you're moody, you have to work on it. If you're not moody, I'm not saying you cannot do a business, but you have to be aware of it and you have to you have to address it before starting your own business. Because being moody, there there isn't anyone else who was, who's going to pick up the what what falls off you when you're not in the mood of going to the office today. You know, mm. unfortunately, this is what people assume when you tell them that you have your own business. The immediate reaction is. Oh, you can wake up whenever you want. <laughs> you can go to work whenever you know. No, you can't. Mm-mm. If you want to survive your business, and if you don't, if you don't have a deep pockets to uh, grab your money from, then you need to wake up and you cannot sleep, mm-hmm. and you need to be realistic. Mm. And let's talk about that emotion. Is there a standout moment in in your career or your journey? We've all had it where, you know, emotions get the better of us, Mm. uh, our feelings. Yes, we can be incredibly sensitive men or women that you've had to check yourself and you've had to be like, Sarah, okay, no, let's look at it this way. Let's change it. Let's transform this situation. Yeah, absolutely. See, one of the things that worked in my favor was the fact that I was always empowered. But what that meant is that I had maybe less self-awareness than I should have. Basically, when I was super empowered all the time, again, I took things for granted. And I assumed that people will have to do it because I said so, because Mm -hmm. I'm empowered, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had a moment where I started noticing a lot of resistance within the team. And I was like, okay, I need to know why what happened all of a sudden and then I started realizing yeah the fact that I want to do something and because I do want to do it does not mean that it's doable and this is where I was I had to step back and you know get more feedback from the team I approached them saying listen I realized I was pushy I realized I was not reasonable how can we fix that and all of that and I some of them really gave me really good feedback that really um, worked for me so and that leads us on to leadership quality right the qualities that a leader should have so being a good listener taking feedback uh, what else would you say uh, leads to a good leader I think uh, being able to put yourself in others shoes is very empathy is very important because we're all human and we don't um, when we're younger we don't see that we don't I mean I don't know how we're wired when you're we're younger because again taking things for granted wanting things to happen in a specific timeline not realizing that a person can be going through some circumstances that is slowing them down maybe that person is not as intellectually challenged as you think they are they're smart but they are depressed you know all these again what with time when we started getting exposed to more inputs from from the media and from reading and all of that we started realizing that there's nothing wrong with having a team member who's depressed and under delivering mm-hmm. what's wrong is you not realizing that as a manager or what what's wrong is that you are not being able to address it with them or talk to them about it or uh, help them overcome it you know it's not as easy as okay here's the project here's the deadline here's the budget we need to do it let's do it by it's not that mm-hmm. it's uh, how are you feeling today uh, how are you uh, moving today are you in the mood in the in order to to do this sometimes it is important to postpone things because a team member is not in the right health state or mental state but again we learned this 
very late in the in the in the process. I mean, I wish I learned this when I was twenty five. Mm. You know, when mm. I first worked, and maybe I learned it in. 35 I don't want to tell you how old I am now <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to but that actually reminds me of something I read the other day which you know we have that we have the term happy wife happy life but with this they say uh, happy team makes the dream and I think that that is so essential for any entrepreneur listening right now team management is key but also the, the mental health of your team as yeah, well to yeah. to be focused on that because if you take care of that then the goals the the things that you want to achieve within the day the month uh, will be a achieved quicker would you agree well i have to say that we should not be in la la land I mean, mm. we, need ha- we need to have the reality check all the time having a happy team is ideal but it's very difficult to achieve what is very important is having an aligned team and with aligned i mean a team that has the same sense of ownership they all want this project to achieve or to be successful a team that has attention to details they all would pick up the the mistakes and be open to it from feedback perspective from uh, execution perspective these are these are elements that are very important and then also the sense of urgency if the whole team is on the same level of urgency i think there will be more harmony within the team they're all driving at the same pace so these are important elements. Having everyone happy, I mean, ideal, definitely. But is it realistic? I don't think so. Mm. I'd like to end this episode with you leaving some advice for, for our listeners. I think what was incredible about your story is is the switch after 23 years and I'm so aware that so many people are probably thinking about it want to do it so bad any words that you could share with them to maybe give them that extra nudge first of all it's doable nothing is impossible Uh, it's very important to be ready for it and with being ready I don't mean financially only I also mean mentally to be realistic because while eventually hope uh, it will be a good uh, state of mind uh, in the beginning it's a lot of work now as I mentioned earlier the advantages is that there are less office politics which drains the people but at the same time there is a lot of sleepless hours so if someone is ready to do that then by all means the system is very easy the opportunities are massive it's applicable to all industries. I can't, I mean, the other day I was watching a video and the video was saying, someone was saying, I don't have resources. I don't have the financials. And that person, the person, the coach was answer, uh, answered them, do you have a mobile phone? And they're like, yes. Then he said, then you have a resource. Use that resource until you build your other resources. And this is very important. Anyone and everyone can make money from anything. Literally, you can even make money from listening without even doing any effort. And I know that some people take this as a very optimistic, very marketing-driven type of job opportunities online, but they work, and I've tried them. So what you need in order to start is the will. If you have the will, you'll be able to achieve any business that you want to achieve. Where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. What a beautiful way to end the episode, Sarah. I want to thank you so much for sharing that advice and and your story so far. And we look forward to what is in store for you in the future. So thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code.